وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين ولعنة الله على الظالمين من الأولين والآخرين أما بعد فكقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه المجيد وفرقانه الحميد وقوله الحق بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم كنتم خير أمة أخرج للناس تأمرون بالمعروف وتنحون عن المنكر آمنا بالله صدق الله العلي العظيم صلوات على محمد وآل محمد Awaited Savior of Humanity, Imam Al-Mahdi alayhi salam, my respected teachers, elders, brothers and sisters, Salamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is our fourth evening in which we are discussing the rise and fall of communities, a Quranic study. In our first discussion, we stated that we are studying this topic because it allows us to be able to reflect our own community ethic, our own community understanding in line with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects from a successful community. And the second thing we spoke about was the different outcomes of communities, those that would be destroyed and those that are successful. And amongst those that are successful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kuntum khayra ummatin nas. They are the best of people that have been heralded for mankind. That is a, a goal, an aspiration for our own community to be able to reach. And therefore our series is to be able to understand what are the qualities and features of a community that beholds such an awesome trait in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yesterday, we started looking at the covenants that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes with various different communities. And we highlighted that Banu Israel and those who call themselves Christians have been given slightly different covenants amongst themselves. And the Muslim community were also given covenants. The Quran lists these covenants and then goes through the outcome, the consequences of those who failed to uphold that mithaq, that covenant that was made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what is a mithaq? A mithaq is a covenant which we can translate to as an agreement. But actually it is a two-sided agreement. It may be sometimes that we enter into an agreement but that we don't know the fullness of what we're getting involved in. Have you ever read through those T's and C's? You know when you download something and then it has 25, 100 pages of T's and C's. 
and it's just jargon. I don't think any of us, we really end up reading those T's and C's, we just click agree. Although it's an agreement, you wouldn't call this in the Arabic language a mithaq. Because a mithaq by its nature is a two-sided agreement whereby both parties understand what they are committed to and the expectations around that. Therefore, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states there is a mithaq with this community and this community and then the Muslim community, there is an expectation that we avail ourselves of the knowledge of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made in that agreement with us that we sign up to on the agreement and the dotted line when we download that mithaq with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, going through some of the verses yesterday to ensure that we remember what we stated and inshallah some of the verses will come up and we'll be able to see that the mithaq that was made with Banu Israel were those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that you should not serve any other than Allah do good to your parents, to the near kin and so on and so forth and in another verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wa id akhadna mithaqakum la tasfikuna dima'akum wa la tukhrijuna anfusakum min diyarikum Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a second area of the covenant with Banu Israel that you would not kill each other you would not kill yourselves and you would not throw yourselves out of each other's houses. This is important. We will come back to this when we talk about the covenant with the Muslim community. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about the covenant with those people who call themselves Christians. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said the following Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّا نَصَارَ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَهُمْ فَنَصُوا حَذًّا مِمَّا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ فَأَغْرَيْنَا بَيْنَهُمُ that those who forgot the covenant with Banu Israel, the outcome was that they would be people who ultimately would be cursed, their hearts would be made hard, and that there would be treachery amongst that community as a result for forgetting their mithaq. The Christians, however, the punishment for having forgotten their mithaq was what? That Allah would excite enmity amongst themselves and that they would hate the day of judgment. They would love dunya, but they would hate the idea of having to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now elsewhere in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that there is a specific punishment for those who break their covenants. We didn't mention this verse yesterday. We pick it up from this point now where we mention what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about those people who break their covenants. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Fabima naqdihim mithaqahum wa kufrihim bi ayatillah wa qatlihimul anbiya bi ghayri haq wa qawlihim qulubana ghulfun bal taba Allahu alayha bi kufrihim fala yu'minuna illa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa, chapter number 4, verse 155, And so we punished them for breaking their pledge, their covenant. And what would be the outcome? Their refusal to acknowledge God's messengers and messages, 
and they slay the prophets without any right to be able to do so and they would boast that our hearts are full of knowledge those people who break the covenant with Allah they will end up saying we know all we know exactly what we are responsible for all the knowledge is with us no knowledge is with anyone else nay Allah has sealed their hearts in a result of their denial of the truth and now they believe in just a few things this is the punishment for those who break their covenant they will only end up believing in a part of their own religion the result would be the majority of their religion they would end up letting go or denying so we come now as we started yesterday with the oath the pledge the agreement the covenant with the muslim community and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Wadkuru Ni'matullahi alaykum wa mithaqahu, Alladi wathakum bihi, Ith kultum samirna wa ata'ana, Wattakullah innallaha alimum bidatis sudur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a covenant with the Muslim community. And then He bound it firmly with us, He says in chapter number 5, verse number 7. Yesterday we started looking at this covenant. And we started with the verse that immediately follows on from this claim that the Muslim community has a covenant on them. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu kunu qawwamina illahi shuhada'a bil qist. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh you who believe, be upstanding for the sake of Allah, witnesses for justice. We stated yesterday. That the word qawwamina, because of the shadda on the wow, qawwamina, is different to its root. The root would be qama, to stand, or qa'im, the one who stands. But qawwamina is from the sarf, from the terminology of fa'al. Fa'al, qawwamina, means to do this process continuously. Not that you stand up for justice once, but the covenant that starts here, the expectations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed upon us would be to stand firmly for justice over and over and over again. Now we stated yesterday that our community is some three and a half thousand people strong and that we reach to around six thousand people in its entirety. That is a huge community. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing us collectively here as a covenant for this community and all communities. Be upstanding for justice, for the sake of Allah. Lillah. Meaning not for your own selves. A person can stand up for their own selves in the hope that the justice would be that when they stand up, they would benefit for it. As an outcome, I would gain. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Stand up lillahi azza wa jal. For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bilqist, for justice. Now this tells us, especially now in the month of Ramadan, we know that right now there are many injustices that are taking place around the world. It may be, for example, in Venezuela, there are just injustices taking place. Maybe in Palestine, where injustices are taking place. Especially at the end of this month, we know that there will be Al-Quds Day March. And many of us last year, we went, alhamdulillah, to Al-Quds Day March. 
And these sorts of expectations upon us can be seen that this is part and parcel of the covenant that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. That He expects us to stand up for justice. Wherever it may be, even if it be against our own selves, even if it be against our own interest to be able to do so. Now, Bilqist, as we stated yesterday, is a meaning different to Adl. Rather, that Qist is a justice that is comprehensive from start to finish. That the processes that we go through, even before we go and do the act, is including justice itself. The act we do is just, and the outcome of the act we do is just as well. We started to give an example yesterday to be able to elaborate on this. We stated as an example that imagine now there is a court proceeding and the person who wants to bring the witnesses to the court, he can either bring a witness who is truthful or untruthful. If he brings a witness who is untruthful and starts to give his testimony, as an outcome, even the process of what you're involved in is going to be unjust. So even the preparation of what you're doing is supposed to be with justice in Qist. The action itself and the outcome of what you see through and how you follow it through is with justice as well. Now this is an expectation upon the Muslim community here for us to stand up for justice wherever it may be. Now here in the next slide I brought an interesting book and recommend this to all of us if we get a chance to be able to read and this expounds upon the idea of justice and injustice. Normally when we speak about justice we say something along the lines of to be just is to act rightly with those whom you love and those whom you hate. You see if you love someone you could be unjust by siding with them when they shouldn't be sided with. And you can also be unjust to the person you hate because your hatred makes you act unjustly against them. So a person who is just is just with those whom they love as well as those whom they hate as well. You'll remember that famous hadith from Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib where his own family members come to him and seek from him a little bit more from Beit al-Mal. What does he do? He takes his hand and he places his hand over that lit fire, over that candle. What are you doing? That hurt. I know. I burnt your hand. But why are you trying to burn my hand in the fire? You want more than your share of Bayt al-Mal? Do you want to know what Ali ibn Abi Talib's share from Bayt al-Mal is? He is the one who continues to make his own shoes with his own hands and fix his own sandals when his sandals break. Being just means being just to those whom you love as well as those you hate because you are responsible to act accordingly to them irrespective of whether they are friend or foe. Now there's a wonderful book that has been written by a great scholar by the name of Danny Dawling and it come up here inshallah on the screen now and Dawling writes a book which is called Injustice normally we speak about justice and establishing justice Dawling writes from the perspective of what is injustice 
And he asks the question, why does social inequality persist? And he mentions five reasons as to why injustice continues. He says, number one, people think that elitism is efficient. If you have a group of elites that are untouchable, that are never held to account, and they are always propped up by society, this is the most efficient way to organize ourselves as a community. He says, as long as elitism, people who don't warrant any standing, are kept in power, then you will always have injustice against some group. <coughs> Second, exclusion is necessary. To exclude from some is necessary because if you keep some people out, you can say they don't deserve to be part and parcel of us. You keep some people out, which means that you, some people are given a special place. Prejudice is natural. The idea that I dislike you because of your color of your skin, your nationality, your gender, your religion, your sect. It's a natural thing for me to be able to dislike you. So long as prejudice exists within the community, injustice will always be present as well. Greed is good. The idea that to have as much as possible, as much as I possibly need and more to be greedy, this will perpetuate injustice within a society. And despair is inevitable. Those people despair from having justice. They think that no one in society is going to look after them. Government will never be there. Welfare will never really be for there for them. So they despair and that is inevitable. Those things perpetuate injustice within a society. Now, having looked at these things and that covenants exists, we want to now move on and ask ourselves what happens to those who fulfill their covenants. In tomorrow night's discussion, inshallah, we will now start going into the specifics of those covenants and we will look at Surah Al-Rum and we will look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in chapter 30 about those communities who are responsible for specific things within them. But now as we go through, we've talked about what happens to those people who break their covenant with God, their mithaq? What would happen to them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He will put enmity amongst them. He will make them forget the day of judgment and so on and so forth. What is the outcome of those people who fulfill their covenants, their mithaq, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He mentions now in the Holy Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِأَحْدِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْقُضُونَ الْمِيثَاقَ وَالَّذِينَ يَصِلُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلَ وَيَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those who fulfill the promise of Allah and do not break their covenant, and those who join that which Allah has bidden to be joined, and have an awe with their Lord, and fear an evil reckoning. This is the outcome. 
those who uphold their covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do they get in return? Those who patiently preserve, seeking the, the face of Allah. They establish prayers and spend out of the things that have been given to them openly and in secret. What happens to them? And they shall have their final attainment in the eternal home. The gardens with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The gardens of perpetual abode. Which they will enter along with those who do good. From amongst their parents and their spouses and their offsprings. And the angels will enter them from every single gate. Those who fulfill their covenants with Allah, those communities. They enter into Jannah from every gate within paradise. Insha'Allah. Now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about that in terms of akhirah. And all of us inshallah hope that we will have a good ending in akhirah. However, there is a very interesting verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the reward of those who uphold their covenants in dunya. And I think this one will interest everyone. It's not to say that no one here is interested in akhirah. Of course you all are, otherwise you wouldn't be here listening to me and fasting until all this time. But... There is a specific reward for those who uphold their mithaq fid dunya. You will get something specific in this world. What is it? The verses come to us in multiple occasions, but I'm picking to you one. And that is from the story of Nuh alayhi salam, chapter number 71 of the Quran. Nuh alayhi salam in this chapter complains to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says to him, you know, when I used to do tabligh and da'wah, they used to put their fingers in their ears. They used to put their cloaks over their head so that they didn't have to listen to me, nor would they even have to see me. As these ayat continue, Nuh alayhi salam offers to his community a specific reward if they uphold their responsibilities with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's have a look at these verses and they're very very interesting. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Yursil as-samaa'a 'alaykum midrara wa yumdidkum bi amwalin wa banina wa yaj'al lakum jannatin wa yaj'al lakum anhara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, he quotes Nuh alayhi salam. Nuh is saying, listen to me, follow me, uphold the mithaq you will get this specific reward. He will send down upon you a cloud pouring with an abundance of rain and he will help you with wealth and sons and make for you gardens and make for you rivers. So what's being said here? Uphold your covenants with God and Allah will give you wealth. Ah, now we're interested. <laughs> Uphold the covenants, Allah will give you sons. Why sons? Uphold your covenants and Allah will send down upon a cloud pouring with abundance of rain. Huh? Now, if Nuh came here with our climate and offered us an abundance of rain, believe, pray, fast, do zakat, God will send down an abundance of rain. I'm not sure I would be so much enticed. I prefer a warmer climate and I think we have enough rain coming as it is in our lo lovely London climate. 
So why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quote Nuh alayhi salam that your reward will be an abundance of rain and wealth and sons and rivers that flow amongst yourselves? Any ideas? What was the climate like there? Where were they, Nuh alayhi salam? In Iraq, right? Where do we normally talk about the Safina starting from? Which masjid? Masjid Kufa, correct? So which climate? A desert hot climate. And what type of community were they back then? Were they people who were industrialized communities? Was it the tech communities like in San Francisco, like in China? No, what type of communities were they? Agrarian, they were farming communities. They were communities that needed rivers, estuaries. They needed men folk so that they could be protected as a family. They needed sons so they could go out and work on the farmlands. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, If you follow me and fulfill your covenants, I will give you an abundance of rain to make your climate easier for you. I will give you wealth and I will give you sons so that you become a successful community. And I will make rivers for you so that your crops can grow easily. So what was the reward? The reward was directly in comparison with their needs. From our community perspective, we have a different community altogether. We, traditionally as a Hoja community, make sure that all of our children become dentists and doctors and pharmacists and lawyers and engineers correctly. And God forbid one or two of them become Maulana and Mulyani. God forbid. But it happens. Some of us go on the wrong path and we end up on here. But we often know that our community is beginning to shift. We often talk about the need for our community to have different people amongst ourselves, correct? We also want to have people in media. We want to have people in politics. We want to have people in different levels of business so they can maneuver and bring our community forward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Nuh, tell them, if you follow the mithaq, I will gift to you a community that is abundant in the needs of the things that you have. Whatever it is that you need, Allah will give you as a response. This is the reward for upholding mithaq in dunya and the mithaq in akhirah. Inshallah, tomorrow we go into Surah Al-Rum and the specifics of what a community is supposed to do. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahumma ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad wa alihi tahirin. Allah.